0: Done. is that wonderful so we don't we don't have to go to hell we can make heaven isn't that right make our life a whole lot better here on the earth in the meantime and so you know christianity is good and wonderful but if we just keep it inside the four walls of the church that's not so good is it that's when christianity becomes powerless when you just have inside the four walls of the church Christianity. We need to take it out beyond the four walls of the church. And so what we're doing is we're uh, passing out tracts to you every Sunday. We're praying over them and then be led by the Spirit of God. And throughout the next week, go and give that tract out to somebody and share Jesus with them. Is that right? Is that what we've been doing? Is that good? That's a good thing, isn't it? And so let's have the ushers go ahead and pass out, out the, the tracts. Do you have them, fellas? Pass them out. Uh, Last week they were geared towards teenagers. This year, this year, this week they're geared towards children. So the ushers will pass these out. Get your track. When you get your track, we're going to pray over it right before we get into the Word of God. And then we want to encourage you to go out during the week and share this with a child. You know, children need to hear the message too, don't they, of Jesus? You have a better chance of getting somebody saved when they're young, typically, than as they get older. So, hand this out to a young person, or you know, I've also seen more adults actually get saved when you give them something simple that would minister to a child. A lot of times, an adult will be reached just as well by something simple as something complex. You see, I remember one fellow one time, one of the best Christians that I've ever that I've ever known, one of the Most wonderful Christians I've ever known. You know how he got saved? You know when he got saved? He got saved at a... He was helping at a children's activity at the church. He wasn't saved when he went. But he watched a simple puppet skit about Jesus. And he got saved. And uh, just a wonderful, wonderful Christian. His name is Russ. Remember Russ? And so, uh, let's pray over these. and, And then seek the Lord throughout the week. Hand them out to somebody. And, uh, and it would be a good thing. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the opportunity to share the Gospel message of the Lord Jesus. And we just ask that You lead us and guide us in this next week as to who to minister these to, who to give these tracts to, who to share Your good news with. And so we, we just re- receive Your direction by faith now in Jesus' name. Amen. So go out and share Jesus with somebody this next week. Also. Couple other things. Uh, We need some help in the nursery and the children's church. Uh, We're we're thankful for the help that we have, but we could use some more volunteers. Now, right now, the nursery and the children's church can only be open three Sundays a month until we get some more volunteers. And so, uh, you know, around here, I don't pressure anybody, I don't twist people's arms for, for anything. But uh we just simply make the need known and then you seek the Lord and uh we, we could use some more uh, volunteers. And so uh seek the Lord about that and uh and and uh and volunteer. All right. How how do I volunteer? Well fill out one of those volunteer forms and and uh and take it to the connections table. Is that correct? Is that where it goes? And then we'll get with you and we'll get you hooked in and get you going. Also too, um I want to encourage you to bring in supplies for uh, the kids up at Kellison. Actually, I went to Kellison Elementary School. I was the uh, first class, my class was the first class to meet there years and years and years ago. And it doesn't look today like it did back then. Back then it was an open it was an open setting. They didn't have individual classrooms like I think they do now up there. It was just a big, wide-open open classroom. And so uh, this big, big, massive uh, area. And so uh, they tried that out. I guess it didn't work because they closed them all, all the rooms in. But I know for the first several years that Kellison was in, in operation, it was it an was open setting. Anyway, do you all know what I'm talking about? Anyway, um, but... You know, there's a lot of families in the area that they don't, you know, they don't have pencils and pens and paper and all that. So uh, let's get involved and let's uh, bring bring in those supplies and uh, help help these families out with their kids. Will you do that? Okay, All right. So let's get get in and, and, and do that. All right. Open your Bibles to Matthew, the 18th chapter, Matthew, the 18th chapter. This being Family Sunday, of course, we have the kids in here today, and uh, and that's a good thing. And then, of course, we're going to have some ice cream after the service, that's always good, but we always like to put the the Word of God ahead of natural food. Isn't that a good thing to do? I think it is. And uh, you get in trouble when you put the natural things ahead of the spiritual things. So around here we keep the spiritual things first. We get more excited about the Word of God than we do about donuts. Is that right? Is that right? Okay. And then we put first things first, do the Word of God, do what we're supposed to do, and then we can get to the natural stuff later. But the kids are in here today. And uh, uh, this being Family Sunday, it just seemed good to the Holy Spirit We want to go through Matthew's gospel account, look up some passages in there, and learn some things about the way Jesus sees and thinks about little children. The way Jesus sees and thinks about little children. And as we go through here, I want you to see the message that Jesus was trying to get through to his disciples. I want you to see, try to observe the message concerning children That Jesus was trying to get through to his disciples. Now, uh, it's interesting when the Lord directed me to teach this message today. uh, You know, a lot of times when you hear that, well, we're going to teach about children. You know, you might think, well, I wanted to come. I wanted to hear about prophecy, or I wanted to come hear about you know, provision, or I want to come and hear about how to get revelation from God. Interesting thing in this message that we're going to share with you today, this just short 20, 30 minute message. uh, There's some profound things in here. You need to listen and hang on every word, because I think that your breakthrough that you've been looking for is right here in this message this morning. The provision that you've been looking for, it's found in this message here this morning. The revelation that you need from the Lord is found in this message this morning. The prosperity you've been been looking for. The healing in your body that you've been looking for. Right here in this message this morning. So let's get into this and see just what it was the Lord was trying to get through to His disciples concerning children. Matthew 18, verse 1. Going to read this in the NIV. Typically I use a New King James. Going to use NIV today. Of course, we don't have the projection screens. The computer's out. Hopefully it'll be up and running by next week. But... uh, Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples, now they were adults. Are allowed to say adults? Yeah, they were adults. They came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, if you read some of the other gospel accounts, you need to realize that, this, that the disciples had been into a, a very serious argument over this. Now, would Jesus' disciples, would they get into an argument? Yeah, they argued a whole lot. I said Jesus' disciples argued a whole lot. And typically the main thing they argued about is who was going to be the greatest. Adults, Jesus' twelve disciples, arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And this was one of the times where they got into an argument. They were arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, Matthew's account here doesn't bring out that they were in an argument, but if you look in Luke, John, um, you know, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but if you look in some of the other accounts of this uh, story, how many of you know you need to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, put them together to get the full picture? Is that right? Is that is that right? And so you'll see that they were in a heated argument here. And so they come to Jesus and they say, Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, notice what Jesus does here. Verse 2 He called, who did he call? He called a little child and had him stand among them. So you got these adults, the disciples, 12 disciples, in an argument asking Jesus, Who's going to be the greatest? And notice Jesus goes and gets a little child and has the little child stand in the midst of his adult disciples. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you, unless you what? Unless you change. Realize, say change. Unless you change. Now, I know if you don't have the NIV, you might be at a little disadvantage, and we don't have the screens this morning. But realize, say change. He said, Jesus told his adult disciples, unless you change. Do you know most people I've met over the years refuse to change? Most, most people, I'd say 98% of them that I've met over the 99.8% of them that I've met over the years don't, don't want to change. Refuse to change, won't change. Won't take a look at themselves and see that they need to change. And a lot of them, when they realize they need to change, they still won't change. Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children, become like little children, doesn't mean we have to be become little children, but become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a pretty heavy statement there, isn't it? Unless you change and become like little children, Children. Now, he's talking to his adult disciples who had just been in an argument over who's going to be the greatest. Jesus calls the little child, stands him in the midst, says, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then verse 4 said, therefore, whoever humbles himself like this little child. Humility is so important if you're going to walk with God. Humility. Whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Did you get what he just said right there? If you want to be the greatest, he's telling his disciples, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you have to change. You guys have to quit arguing and you're going to have to take a look at yourselves. You're going to have to change and become like this little child. Humble yourself And then you'll be considered the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You need to realize something, folks. God doesn't look at things the way we oftentimes look at things. And what we oftentimes think is the greatest, God doesn't think it's very great at all. And most times the things that we think are the littlest and the most insignificant and unimportant, it's that what God looks at as important. It's that what he deems to be important. And so he said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you're going to have to humble yourself and become like this little child. And then he goes on, verse five, he said, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. That's pretty significant right there. Of course, if Jesus came in, we would all treat him just wonderfully as we should. But how many times? Would any of us perhaps set a child on the back burner or just any anybody on the back burner, but particularly a little child, look at a little child as insignificant, put them on the back burner and not treat them with with respect. Uh, Well, Jesus said that if we treat a little child with disrespect, we're really treating him with disrespect, aren't we? Isn't that what he just said? But if we treat a child properly the way we should, and, and then, then we're doing it as unto the Lord. Didn't, didn't Jesus say, whatever you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Didn't he say that in another place? Children shouldn't be thought lightly of, they should be thought highly of. And then verse 6, he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. You don't want to abuse children, dear friends. You don't want to abuse children. Much we could say. So, what do we learn from this passage here? What was Jesus trying to get through to his adult disciples who were arguing? That they needed to change. They needed to become like little children. They needed to humble themselves. And then they'd be... The greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, notice as we uh, actually, this was uh, chapter 18. Let's go back up to uh, chapter 11, Revelation chapter 11. I'm sorry, Matthew 11. I had this in my note. Revelation is what we're going to see in Matthew 11. I was reading from my notes. How many of you started turning to the back of the book? Matthew 11, verse 25. I'm sorry. But I have here in my notes, Revelation. we're going to see that. Well, let's read here and you'll see here. Matthew eleven twenty five. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things. What things? He was talking about things concerning the kingdom of God. He said, you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and what? Reveal. Realize they reveal. reveal. Reveal them to little children. That's why I said Revelation a moment ago. Because, see, God gives revelation to people who are humble like little children. God gives revelation to people who are humble like little children. Notice he said here, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things, things concerning the kingdom of God, that's what he was talking about, from the wise and learned. Now, as you study into this, there's nothing wrong with being wise and learned, but the implication here as you study into this, he's talking about uh, know-it-alls, have you ever met a know-it-all? Somebody thought they knew everything? A know-it-all? Uh, 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 somebody that, that, that education had become a god to them. That they thought they were just smarter than everybody else. They thought that they knew it all and that there was no more for them to know. You know and that they're just so high and mighty in their education. Uh, that's what Jesus was talking about here. He said that God has hidden the things concerning the kingdom of God from the know-it-alls, if you will the high-minded type people who think they're better than everybody else and know know everything. He's hidden things concerning the kingdom of God from those people and He's revealed. Realize they reveal? He's revealed the things concerning the kingdom of God to little children. Based on what we just said, to people who are humble. People who realize they don't know it all. I I've been uh you know I I have a math degree from the University of Missouri and uh, when I uh, graduated from from uh from uh UMSL I thought man I just smart, smart. I knew everything there was to know about math. And one of the professors called me aside and he said, Mr. Sheel, he, he called me Mr. Sheel, he has a Ph.D. He, he, he called me and said, Mr. Sheel, go over to the library. He said, I'll give you my passcode, go into the back room where the uh, instructors can go. And he said, just pick out any book and start reading. So I went over there, put in his passcode, went in and uh, pulled down the first book I found, you know, on, on non-Euclidean geometry or something like that. I started reading and I was lost on page one, you know. See, I thought I knew it all, and, and I didn't realize just how much I didn't know. And so, you see, God—you know—how uh, many's ever met somebody who thinks they know everything? You come right down to it, they don't know a whole lot, do they? But God hides things concerning the kingdom of God from those people, and He reveals things concerning the kingdom of God to people who are humble like little children. So if you want revelation, if you want to receive revelation of the Word of God from from the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to humble yourself and become like a little child. Now let's move on here. Matthew eighteen verse ten. Matthew eighteen verse ten. Jesus says something to the people that are listening to him, the disciples of course among them. He says this in the, in the new international version, here's how it reads, Matthew 18:10, "See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. If you study into that a little bit more, he, he's saying this, don't disdain little children. Don't think lightly of little children. Don't think of little children, put this in my own words, as second-class citizens. Don't think that little children ought to be just stuck in a back room somewhere and babysat while the adults are having service out here. No, they're important too. Say they're important too. Yeah, they're important too. And so Jesus is saying here, don't look down on one of these little ones. Don't think lightly of them. Don't think that it's an unimportant thing, you know, to... Minister to little ones. He said, Don't look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Now, again, he's trying to get something across to his disciples. He's trying to get across to them that little children are important. To God the Father. Little children are important. We need to learn lessons from little children because they can teach us things about about how you know uh, about how we ought to be. And he says, don't look down on one of these little ones. Now it's clear to me that the disciples did did have have a problem at looking down on kids. They did. We'll, we'll see it here in just a moment, clearly. But I think about that little boy with the lunch. How many of you remember him with the few loaves and the fish? Remember Jesus said to his disciples, he said, feed the multitude. Remember that? And one of the disciples came back and said, well, you know, how, how are we going to do that? And, and he said, you know, they said, we don't have enough money to, to, to go, you know, you know, it would take a bunch of money to, and we're, and we're out in this deserted place. And it, well, Jesus, what do you want us to do? And Jesus essentially said, feed the multitude. And so uh, uh, they, there was a little boy there who had, I guess, a lunch, his lunch, so to speak, I guess, and a few loaves and a few fish. And it's interesting as, as the disciples, I think it was Andrew, but, but the disciples took a look at that little boy and his lunch, if you will. And the loaves and the fish. And they brought them to Jesus. And notice what they said. You, could, you can look it up sometime and read it. Said, what, what are the, Talking about the loaves and fish. What are these among so many? Remember Andrew saying that to Jesus? What are these among so many? Lord, here's a little boy's lunch. What are these among so many? What, what, what were the disciples doing? They were minimizing the young child... And they were minimizing his offering, minimizing the young child and minimizing his offering. Do you know that if somebody was a millionaire and they gave a million well, say they were a multi-billionaire and they gave a million dollars to the church, wouldn't we all just be jumping up and down and excited? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Well, wouldn't it be? Well, would it be or not? That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? But did you know that God, the Father in heaven, is just as excited and more excited? Probably. When a little child brings their couple of quarters to church or a couple of nickels or a couple of dimes and offers them to the Lord. Did you know that? I said, did you know that? See, a lot of times we look at amounts. God looks at percents. Did you hear me? And not only does he look at percents, he looks at the heart in which the percent was given. See, if you have a, if you have a millionaire that gives a... Let's say a millionaire gives a hundred thousand. okay. Is that a tithe is a hundred thousand a tithe on a million? Yes or no do you all know math is a hundred thousand a tithe on a million? Yeah. all right all right now what if somebody gets a hundred dollars and they give ten? Have both of those people in God's mind given the same thing? Yes. yeah but that, but that hundred thousand is so much more than the ten that's not how God looks at it. You've got to look at things the way God looks at it. Did you hear what it just said? He looks at percents. Now, what if the guy that gave a hundred thousand just well, I got to do this, I got to you know, just got to do this because you know, and, our, what, and then you have got a person over here, they give the, they give the ten out of a good and right heart. Now, now, as far as God looks at it, who's who's ahead, who's better off, the one that gave the hundred thousand or the one who gave the ten? See, God looks at percents and He looks at the heart. And so you need to realize that the Lord, a lot of times, most, <laughs> you know, he's more thrilled about a little child that comes and brings a couple of pennies and does it with a good and right heart. You mean a couple of pennies? Yeah, a couple of pennies. Because God's looking at the heart. He's looking at the humility of the heart in which it's given. And so this little boy gave his lunch to Jesus and the disciples minimized That's just a few loaves and a few fish. What are they among so many? Can you see they were minimizing not only the boy, but his offering? The little boy gives the offering. They went ahead and brought it to Jesus. But did you know little becomes much when it's put in the master's touch? Is that right? And Jesus blessed the little boy's offering. It was just a little bit. And in and of itself, it wasn't enough to feed the multitudes. But the little boy, no doubt, offered it in a good and a right heart. It wasn't much, but I tell you what, it became much when it came into the Master's touch with a good and right heart. He blessed it, and they fed the multitude. Is that right off a little boy's lunch? Don't minimize little children. But yet, that's what the disciples were doing. And now, as we move to Matthew 19, we're going to see something here that, that... that I want you to look at. Matthew 19, 13. Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. The disciples rebuked those who brought them. Notice little children were brought to Jesus. Now this is after Jesus had been through teaching the disciples, after they, were, the disciples had been in the argument and, and Jesus calls a little child, sets them in the midst and all of that. And, and as we go on down the road here, You'd think the disciples would be learning something about how they're supposed to think of little children. But notice right here, little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. You see, these disciples were probably not going to volunteer to work in children's church. You mean Jesus' disciples wouldn't volunteer to work in children's church? Not according to the way I see the Bible and the way I read it. They wouldn't be volunteering to work in children's church. But Jesus was trying to turn them into children's church volunteers. And he wasn't having a whole lot of success. Why is that? Because people a lot of times don't want to change. People a lot of times think children are unimportant and... uh, you know, out here is where all the action is. But guys, gals, you've got to look at things the way God looks at things. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? But notice Jesus. Now you would think, I mean, we're talking about, you know, I mean, you know who Jesus is, don't you? He's the second member of the Trinity. He's Almighty God in the flesh, you know. He's here on the earth at this point and he's got these 12 disciples and he's trying to get something through to him, and he's not, he's not able to get it through to them. At least not to this point. Because what are the disciples doing to the people that are bringing their little kids to be blessed by the Lord? They're, what are the disciples doing? They're what? They're rebuked. And actually read into this and, and study it out. They're shooing them away. Shoo, shoo, get out of here. Take your kids and get out of here. It, actually, that word rebuke is like rebuking a demon. Get out of here. Get away from Jesus. They were finding fault study that word out a little bit. They were finding fault with these people for bringing their little kids to Jesus. They were chiding them. They were, they were scolding them. "How dare you bother Jesus with those little kids? How dare you bother the master with those little kids? They're not important, they're insignificant. Get away, get away from. Get away from Jesus. He's got more important things to do. That's kind of what they, the way they were coming across. Again, not going to be volunteering for uh, work in children's church. We're talking about the disciples. But notice verse 14. Jesus said. Now study into that a little bit and you'll see that the disciples made Jesus angry with their attitude. Did Jesus ever get angry? Oh, yeah, he got angry. Doesn't the Bible say you can get angry and sin not? Is that right? Jesus got angry on some occasions. And this was one of the occasions that made him hotter than a firecracker. He got angry. He got mad, angry. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus said... And and, and he was greatly displeased. And the Bible, as you study it, he intervened when he saw what the disciples were doing concerning those little kids. He He got angry. He was displeased. And then he spoke up and he, just like the disciples were rebuking the people for bringing their kids to Jesus, Jesus started to rebuke the disciples for their attitude. And he said, let the little children come to me. And don't hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Made Jesus angry. He got hot. And he told the disciples just how the cow eats the cabbage, so to speak. You understand what it's a whole expression. But did you get what I just said there? You guys need to wake up and smell the roses. You guys need to understand what it is I've been trying to get through to you. Children are important. Now, Now, now let the little children come unto me. And stop forbidding them. Don't hinder them. Let them come for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And then notice in verse 15 what Jesus did. He placed his hands on them. Study into that a little bit. You'll see that he he took time with each child. He did it one by one. He took time with each one. Study into it. Look at the other gospel accounts of it. Study into it. You'll see that he didn't just give just a quick mass prayer and run on his way. He took time with each of the little kids. He blessed them one by one, laid his hands on them one by one, and then he went his way. Are children important in the eyes of the Lord? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Are you getting anything out of this? You learn anything? Just a couple more things, and then we'll close. Notice Matthew twelve. I'm... Matthew twenty one twelve. I need to make my font a little bigger here, or I need to wear my glasses. Matthew twenty one twelve. Do you have that? Matthew twenty one twelve. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. Now, was he angry at this point? Oh, yeah. Church ought to be a holy place. Not a place for merchandise. How many of you know we ought to look at church a whole lot different going to church? We ought to look at going to church a whole lot different than going to Walmart. Is that right? Is that right? You know, there's a lot of Christians going to church, going to Walmart. There's no difference to them. When you enter into the house of God, you ought to know you stepped into a holy place. Did you know that? When you step into the house of God, you shouldn't have to say, did I, did I just come into the house of God or did I come into a, to, to a, to an entertainment center? House of God shouldn't be an entertainment center. It should be a place where we come to worship the Lord. Is that right? place where we come to hear the word of God. Not a place where we come to be entertained. He entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And then he says it's written. He said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves and robbers. Well, I like that in Jesus, don't you? Boy, I like that. I like that. That gets my engine running right there. He came in there, he saw things that weren't right, and he drove it out. And then notice, once you get all that, that, that thievery and fakery out of there, then you got the healing power of God starts flowing. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and notice and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, these chief priests and religious people were indignant. They were upset. They didn't like that. Notice what the children, these were, these were children and, 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 and youth, young, young teenagers. As you study into it a little bit, they were young people, little children teenagers and so on. They were shouting in the temple area. They were shouting to Jesus, Hosanna to the son of David. Praise be to the son of David. They were right excited about what they had seen Jesus do. Now, what did they just see Jesus do? They just saw him clean the house of God out. They just saw him clean the fakery out. Did you know, I I, I taught junior high for several years and I, I learned this. Kids especially teenagers, and, and, and even younger, certainly, they can tell when there's fake, and they can tell when somebody's real. Did you hear what I just said? They can tell when something's fake, and they can tell when something's real. And uh, they saw Jesus, how many, how many of you know he's real? And they saw Jesus come in there and drive the fake And the foolishness and the the nutty stuff and the bad stuff and the corrupt stuff and the liars and the cheaters and the thieves. They saw him run them out. Do you understand that? I tell you what, a kid can pick up on a fake just like that. A kid can pick up on, on, on that stuff, on phony stuff just like that. I don't like phony stuff, do you? Particularly in the house of God. I, I, don't, I, I don't like it God doesn't like it And, and that's one reason why I think you, A lot of times you see kids as they get older And become adults turn away from the Lord is Because they've seen so much fakery And tomfoolery going on in the house of God To the point by the time They become an adult They have their guts full of it And they're tired of being around that stuff I don't want the phony and the fakery I want the real How about you? I said I want the real How about you? Oh, yeah. And that's what they saw. They saw the real. They saw Jesus come in and drive out the fake. And it, they got so excited about it, they started worshiping Him and praising Him, saying, Hosanna, the son of David, you know, and so on and so forth. And then notice verse 16. Jesus, uh, as it goes on, He said, Do you hear what the... Well, they said, Don't you hear what these little children are saying? These religious people, they asked Him. And then Jesus said, Yes, And then he said, have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. What can we learn from little children? We can learn how to praise God from them. I said we can learn how to praise God from them. Actually, here in uh, verse 16, if you looked it up, I think in the King James, New King James, some other versions, talks about perfected praise. Perfected praise. What can we learn from little children? We can learn how to praise God. Why is it important to praise God properly the way little children do? Well, Psalms 8-2 will close there. Psalms 8-2. I'll read this in the New King James Version. Psalms 8-2. Basically, Jesus was quoting this verse when he said, "...from the lips of children and infants you've ordained perfect praise." He was really quoting Psalm 8-2, which says, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you've ordained, realize, say strength. Strength. How many of you want strength? Well, strength and praise are, I mean, they go hand in glove. They go hand in glove. If If you want strength, you need to start praising God. And with praise comes the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So praising God is important if you want strength. How many of you would like to stop the devil in his tracks? How many of you would like to silence the enemy and the avenger? Well, it talks about because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. See, praise unto God is very important. When the devil's attacking, when he's coming against you, what, what, or coming against me, what we need to do is start praising the Lord. And, and in that praise, there'll be strength, and the enemy will be silenced and stopped, you see. Well, we learn how to praise God by looking at little children. Just look at a little child. Yeah, but I need to go to a worship seminar. Well, maybe you do. But I tell you what, uh, you know, you can learn a lot just from watching a little child with a humble heart worship and praising God. Worship and praising God. Worship and praising God. I remember one day years ago, and I'll, I'll close with this one day years ago, the Spirit of God was moving in here. And people were being healed and helped and touched and set free. The power of God was in manifestation. How many of you know He's still in healing business today? Oh, yeah. And uh, the power of God was in manifestation here in in one of our services. And and the Lord was healing people. I can't heal anybody. If the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, I'm helpless. But He was healing people and touching people and... and, uh, uh, a lot of good things were going on. And I remember standing in the, in the foyer out there after the service. There was a little, I believe she was about 12, 13, 11, 12, 13 year old girl standing there just, just tears running down her eyes. Just, just praising God and worshiping God. And she was saying, I've, I've never been around anything like this before. I've never been around anything like this before. And then she was just praising God and worshiping God. Just unashamedly worshiping God with a humble heart. I watched her as she worshiped God, and it, I, I learned some things about worship there. That's what God's looking for above. Anything else is just us with a humble heart to worship Him. Did you hear me? and And, and so you see Jesus was trying to get through to his disciples how important little children are. Did you get anything out of this today? Learn anything? Well, stand with me if you would. With heads bowed, eyes closed. uh, And just listen carefully as our altar workers come forward here. And they'll be standing up here in front. I want to uh, say this to you. With heads bowed, eyes closed, our altar workers will be up here. Now, these workers up here are here not just for people who get who get saved during the service okay